Thanks again for joining me today. I'm sitting down with David Belsky. He is a 15-year recruiting industry veteran and founder of Flower Hire, an executive talent firm founded out of LA. This has become the core recruiting firm and talent firm and building block of the cannabis industry. So I'm super excited to you know unpack your story. How did you get to where you are today with Flower Hire, your origin story, why cannabis, why recruiting in cannabis, all of that stuff that I'm sure people are uh, trying to figure out and, and are wondering. So, David, thank you so much for sitting down. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. So um, I'm excited that you are here because uh, cannabis is you know, always relevant, always topical, always hot. Uh, recruiting is uh, a beast in and of itself. Starting a recruiting business is not an easy uh, feat. I know a couple of recruiters and you're always trying to find the companies and you're trying to find the candidates. So you're sort of marketing on both ends and building the business on both ends. That's not easy. Um, so walk me through your past uh, as I, I'm assuming in executive talent and, and recruiting. And then, well, actually go back before that, actually. Where, where did you where did you come from? And then what led you to doing what you're doing now? Um well, I'll start. I'll start from the from the top. Uh, yeah, for sure. I grew, I grew up in Austin, Texas, and uh, single parent household. As I was growing up, I was you know an, an athlete. Was good at school, and you know in high school, I started really uh, you know socializing and getting myself out there, and, and kept a, a good balance of all three until my junior high school. You know, actually ended up getting caught with cannabis at my high school in Austin, Texas. And, you know, Austin, Texas in the late 90s, zero tolerance, you know, so um, was more or less kicked out of school, uh, actually moved to Los Angeles before my senior year to live with my dad and uh, still managed to get into a great college, got to Cornell, uh, played football, um, you know, and, and after four years at Cornell, um, you know, didn't really have a lot of white collar connections in my sort of circles. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I had a, had a mentor told me to get into sales and, mm -hmm. um I actually ended up moving back to Los Angeles after college and started to look for sales jobs and found one um, with a tech recruiting company that, you know, is kind of modeled after the 80s, you know, phone on the shoulder, no computer, started off making $9.50 an hour, basically cold calling and ended up staying with that company for 13 years mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, survived the sort of great recession, if you will, of 2009. And after that was more or less running a good portion of operations for that company. And I had the chance to move around the country, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Boston, Chicago, and um, helped contemporize that company in terms of being able to actually use technology to everyone's advantage, you know, be able to actually hire and onboard millennials. And um, I got to a point where I was successful yet unfulfilled, you know, um, you know, 13 years in, I, I could have kept going, but I had this sort of entrepreneurial itch I wanted to scratch, you know, as I was entering my kind of mid thirties and, and peak career and, you know, I'm married and, and kids. So I wasn't just looking to, to jump at anything, but ar around that sort of soul searching time in 2016, I had a couple mentors um, in uh, California that pivoted into cannabis. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I was living in Chicago actually at the time. And when I saw that, I, I was like, what is happening right now? And, and is this industry, really about to go if, if incredibly sort of talented, successful people are, are trying to get into it right now. So I flew out there and met with them immediately um, and picked their brain on the industry, what was happening and, and decided that um, there was a lane for talent in cannabis. And I believe that it would be emerging. I didn't know how big it would be or, or what it would be, but I felt like I could figure it out. And uh, I was fortunate when I, you know, left kind of the the safe place uh, that I had built over over 13 years, um, I had an anchor, which was I helped I had the opportunity to help Ease, which is a very high flying delivery company in California, hire you know 40 of their first 80 employees, and um, you know from that sort of experience, I actually saw you know other entrepreneurs in in, in cannabis that were all talking about raising capital, mm -hmm. hiring people, and the challenges of hiring good people in cannabis. And that was the sort of light bulb moment where, aha, you know, I am in the right place at the right time. And so I formally started Flower Hire uh, a little over three years ago. And, and, and here we are. And, and tell me, I guess to help frame it, why were people having a hard time finding talent in cannabis? Was it just too new? Well, well it's, there, was, there was a stigma, you know, and I, I think the stigma has, has actually gone away a lot across the country over the last three years. But at the time, it was it was almost like a, a disbelief that there were white collar jobs in cannabis, mm. right? That there were, you know, um, that the industry needed accountants and financial, 
you know, minds and lawyers and marketers and, and actually would be able to, to pay and attract that talent. So, um, and it was also because of that stigma, because of it being federally illegal, um, you know, there was, you know, thought that you wouldn't be able to attract world-class talent into your organization if you were in cannabis, you know? And so what a lot of the early work that I did was really try to identify the formula for what made for a successful hire in cannabis. And, um, you know, and Ease was kind of the Petri dish for that. And and the formula was somebody needed to believe that they were at the forefront of a major global industry that would become 30, 40, $50 billion industry over the course of the next 10 years and, and appreciate that moment in history as a capitalist, right? Somebody also needed to have a relationship with the plant. Like, it didn't have to be a, a hardcore like user, but had to believe in it, its power as medicine, as, as general wellness, as it shouldn't have been criminalized, as it negatively affected huge portions of, of, of disproportionately you know, minority with incarceration, um, and, and had to believe on the right side of history, right? Mm-hmm. And then the third thing was you had to have some experience operating without a net, meaning like early on, you know, companies wanted like the Diageo operations and marketing leader, right? But if that person had never touched a startup, never experienced hypergrowth, never developed the tools necessary to do like turnarounds or things like that, coming into cannabis, which was pure hypergrowth in an emerging industry was just too much. So I looked for people that maybe they had a big company pedigree, but they also had wins that meant rapid acceleration of, of growth within, within companies, especially for leadership roles, right? Um and uh, once I kind of figured out that that formula, um, you know, I started applying that formula to any search, um, whether, again, it was an operations leader, a, a, you know, a CFO, a general counsel, um, you know, a, a head of distribution to be able to find kind of the right people. And what I found actually surprisingly were that there were a lot of people that wanted to believe in what they were doing again whether they worked mm-hmm. in the tech industry before or whether they were working in an industry that was just in a, in a kind of a slow, steady decline. A lot of folks looked at this op- as an opportunity to do something different, do something exciting, and also do something they could believe in. You know, they felt would make the world a better place. And that was really the refreshing thing that I learned quickly was, um, you know, for the right person in this industry, what they did for work actually aligned with what they felt made the world a better place. Um, and when you put intelligent, collaborative, entrepreneurial, creative people in a room solving complex problems, I think really amazing, you know, things can happen. Uh, okay. So you have, you have two, you have two sides to recruiting. You have the side that where you find the companies and then you have the side where you have to find the, the candidates. Now, if you're dealing with cannabis companies, um, I, I was assuming there's not a lot of niche Recruiting firms deal with cannabis companies, so um, I would assume that it's not as hard to fill that pipeline. However, on the flip side, I'm sure there's a lot of candidates that don't even know you exist, or it's hard to find those potential candidates that you just outlined. Like you outlined all those characteristics that you're looking for in a candidate. That and, and part of it is like somebody who wants to be more passionate or more evangelical about where they work. So was was it correct that it's easier to find the companies and yet a hard time finding the candidates? Or walk me through like the landscape of building a, sure. a recruiting company in, in cannabis. Well, the, well, I think there's there's challenges. At, there were challenges actually on both sides of the of the funnel, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll talk through that. I think that Fla- Flower Hire's niche is really we're the only company of cannabis focusing on strategic six figure cannabis jobs that only does cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't do hourly workers. We don't have a business that is in another industry that we're trying to apply infrastructure to this emerging industry. So we're beholden to some other revenue stream. We're trying to create value in the lane that we're that we're operating in, right? So I think that's given us flexibility to really build something the right way for this industry. Um, but on the client side, um, you, you correctly identified both sides of the funnel, right? Because at the end of the day, both sides of the funnel are our clients. Companies mm-hmm. are the pay for our services. Candidates are the one that we help make life decisions of if this is the right industry for you. On the company side, I think I just timed the market a little early. Like into 2017, there weren't a lot of companies that had capital that were really in in growth mode yet. I think that it took until about Q2 of 2018 for you know the 
kind of the the peak of the the, the kind of boom and the, the Canadian mm. financial markets to really start taking shape and for investment space to come into the plant touching world in mass, right? So um, at first it was finding companies that had the capital to not only afford talent but also afford uh, you know a premium service to find that talent, right? Um, so in that kind of gap period, um, late 2017, early 2018, we did a lot of work with ancillary companies, ancillary technology companies like Ease technically at that point was an ancillary technology company um, because they just got funding first. It was easier for a traditional VC to invest in a tech company in an emerging industry versus investing in a dispensary operator, right? Um, but that ended up normalizing it by the middle of 2018. And we've seen kind of client side demand grow at very steady since for the last you know two plus years um on the candidate side there was never a lack of interest in cannabis but interest did not equate to that person being the right fit for cannabis mm -hmm. right so a lot of what we do at flower hire that's specific to cannabis is we put a premium on the education talking to candidates about what it's like to work in the industry like the good parts again talented creative people solving complex problems, doing something they believe in with the realities of it. it it's The industry doesn't stop. It is a 24 seven industry. You're probably gonna make less money. You know, if you're looking for stability, this isn't the place for you and talking about why that is. And as well as educating on the specific companies that we're working with that are trying to fill jobs, what they do, what their business models are. So, um, you know, filtering through candidate side interest in a more uh, prescriptive way um, was the challenge, um, but there was never a lack of people interested in the industry, you know, mm -hmm. fortunately, right? Um, and at, at the same time, you know, that, that didn't mean that they had the right experience to pull from for the space. So, um, you know, the, the filtering process is really kind of the, the real heavy lifting and kind of the proprietary, you know, secret sauce IP, if you will, around how we were able to take and synthesize the company's requirements. And often they didn't have a written job description and really help them define what they were looking for, yeah. take them back to the candidate filtering process and show them like one, two, three people that they could they could hire one of them because they're actually good for what they're looking for, right? Um, Why did you ever choose to start this business, man? This seems like an absolute, it seems very tough. It seems uh, like a very, very tough business to be successful at yeah. long-term. Well, part, part of me in my previous life, you know, supporting, you know, fast growing uh, technology companies with engineering and executive placement, um, it just got to a point where it was kind of thankless. You know, it was definitely something you could do well and, and it'd be lucrative. But, you know, I didn't necessarily I liked going into work for the people that I worked with, but I didn't necessarily like what I was doing. Yeah. Right. And recruiting that. is a very kind of. Uh, you know, it's a very block and tackle thing. It's not a sexy business, right? Now it could be a, a, a high margin business. It could be a, a very successful business. Um, but, uh, and, and, and if done well, it's, it's definitely done intelligently, thoughtfully, and, and, and more kind of scientifically. But the science of, of a third-party recruiting firm is, is block and tackle and consistency, right? So I looked at this industry as something like, I believe that the cannabis industry needed the right people in it to be successful. I believe that the people that I was going to be able to put into this industry were going to be mavericks and pioneers defining what their skill set was going to be in this world. Like how an HR leader in cannabis actually could do their job well, how a financial controller in this in, in cannabis would actually do their job well. So putting people into this industry that understood like the opportunity, not only for the industry as a whole, but opportunity for themselves personally to bring value to a company in, in a way that never been done before and really set that stage was something that was really compelling uh, for mm -hmm. me, um, you know, despite the, you know, despite the risk, you know, and I, and I took a bet on myself that, you know, I, 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 I could work, I would work hard. There was no doubt there. And then I could, I could figure it out. Um, and uh, so I, just, I put all my chips into it and needed to make it happen, you know? Yeah. Um and and it's obviously it's obviously paid off and and now uh the industry has evolved to some extent compared to and contrasted to when you first started oh, yeah. so like let's 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 look at the industry then and let's look at the industry now and how has that affected your business well i mean i think 
you could, uh, we could look at it in a, in a bunch of different ways. I think um, um, obviously uh, for a while, the, the, the sort of bubble in the Canadian financial markets drove a lot of buzz and interest and capital, not only in Canada, but also in the U.S. markets, right? Um, and, you know, that led to a lot of investment dollars, similar to what you see in emerging industries, where there's not really a good thesis for how that dollar is going to unlock value. It's just, we got to get our money in because this is going to be big, right? So, um, you know, in 2018, um, specifically on the West Coast, what I saw were that companies were raising capital that had like experienced entrepreneurs that had wins in other industries that were marrying themselves and their experience with people of cannabis that knew how to make high quality products and they're getting money at high valuations and investors weren't asking about how they were going to run a profitable business. They're just saying, go build your brand, go build mm -hmm. infrastructure. And what happened in, in uh, 2019, when the decline in the, in the sort of the Canadian capital market started happening is that even for private company investors, they started looking at operators in the space being like, how are you going to be profitable? And the switch happened overnight, right? So for some companies that had very lofty, ambitious goals and no way to really get to profitability, you know, their business may never recover from that yeah. switch, right? But what it forced operators to do, which I think long-term brings a ton of uh, value to, to cannabis, is it forced operators to figure out, okay, let's not do everything. Let's focus on what we're good at and how we can actually make money and run a profitable business in cannabis, which has its own challenges. And the companies that were able to take that change in investor sentiment and figure out what they were good at are actually doing extremely well right now. Right. Um, so we, I also, you know, when we when I started, we we're really focusing on some of the more established markets, you know, California, Oregon, you know, Colorado. Um, and what I've seen over the past year and a half is there's been almost like a uh, in the U.S. at least a, a balance of power shift, you know, as you know, the Massachusetts market has is, is gotten more traction, the recreational as Michigan and Illinois have come online. Now you see a lot more investment in, in new infrastructure and even investment dollars, not necessarily going to California, but going to other emerging markets. They maybe have a more of a limited licensing scheme. They might have a more of a, of, a, of, a, of a friendly climate in which you can actually run a profitable business, whether it's a medical or, or, a, um, or a recreational market, you know? So um, I think, you know, again, the balance of power has shifted from the West Coast to the East Coast um, in the Midwest in, in the US cannabis markets, just in terms of if you're an investor looking for a return, um, mm -hmm. as well as general job growth, right? I mean, you're looking at facilities opening up for the first time in, in, in areas that you have customers as soon as you open because they never had it before and, and they'd love to have a traditional retail experience for buying their cannabis, right? So um, just, new construction, more licenses being issued alone is leading to tremendous, tremendous, I think, growth from an employment standpoint and also also for the industry. And that growth is happening when an industry also understands a little bit more about the boundaries for how do you maintain profitability in, in an industry as challenging as this. Do you find that the industry has matured uh, to the point where it's somebody who's looking to get into the industry may not have to worry about lack of stability or perhaps in the having um like you mentioned before you're not going to have premium uh pay scale in contrast to other industries it has it changed and now it's just more normalized where if somebody going to cannabis they don't expect these things anymore it, uh i don't I, I don't think it's uh it's definitely not where where the rest of the world is yet there there are mm -hmm. some some companies that are a little bit more established you know, like your your Crescos and your Cure Leafs and your Terrasens of the world that do offer things like 401k plans and and some kind of fringe benefits you'd expect in other industries. But still, for the most part, you know, comp compensation is you know when people change jobs. Well, obviously, COVID is different, but when people change jobs before COVID, you know, normal as you expect to raise. It's a tight employment yeah. market, right? That's still not necessarily happening in cannabis. Um, what is interesting now is that a year ago, year and a half ago, it was not possible to hire a lawyer that had cannabis experience or an accountant that had cannabis experience or a 
classically trained sort of CPG manufacturing or food manufacturing person that had cannabis experience. But now mm -hmm. you can. So there's a lot of people that were their first mover pioneer types into the industry that are now looking for their kind of second cannabis job, if you will. And yeah. those folks are getting raises. Hey everyone, Scott here. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's show, EveryPlate. What is EveryPlate? Well, EveryPlate is pre-prepared meal kits that get shipped to your door, gives you all the ingredients you need to cook a delicious meal at home. Now you've probably seen these meal kits. They've been advertised a lot over the past year. I've started researching them when we were staying at home and ordering Uber all the time just got extremely expensive and I was kind of sick of the restaurants in my area, I couldn't find much variety, so I started looking into uh, meal kits. Every plate is one of the only meal kits that consistently delivers quality ingredients, creative recipes with simple, easy to follow instructions at the lowest price point I've ever found in the market. To me, if I can find a way to save some time, not go to the grocery store, not overpay for food, and still eat delicious food every single week, that's a huge win for me. And that's what I always experience with every plate. I've gotten pub style turkey burgers. I've gotten herb buttered steak. I've gotten stir fry quesadillas. I've actually never gotten a meal that I've chosen that I really don't like, to be honest. If you've looked into these meal delivery meal kit services and you just found them too expensive, just hear me out. Try every plate. It comes to roughly $1.99 per meal. So right now, what you can do for everybody who's listening to this podcast they set up a special code, success story 199 So success story 199 If you have that code and you go to www.everyplate.com, you get you get started for just $1.99 and then you get 20% off an additional two weeks. This is not a standard offer. You have to use the code success story 199 at everyplate.com. That's $1.99 per meal and then an additional 20% off for the next two weeks of food delivered to your house. All the ingredients with cooking instructions, pre-measured, throw it together in about 30 minutes, check it out, you won't regret it. You okay. know, um, so I think stability, I mean, you know, I, I think that um, some of the larger best named operators in the space have had the most public financial troubles, right? So um, again, I, 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 st I don't think it's necessarily still stable, but maybe in the grand scheme of things and how the world of work in general is being turned upside down. And there were these major kind of shifts that were happening, you know, with preferences towards delivery and, and moving away from traditional retail, maybe cannabis is comparatively more stable than other industries now, for sure, you know, because, you know, no one knows what the world of work uh, looks no, like. No, I think I think everyone's all turned on their head right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Unemployment so is at all time way, high, right? So in that yeah. way, cannabis almost looks less risky because, you know, it's just going to get bigger because yeah. more t more states and in, in, in are going to open up more and issue more licenses, and more facilities are going to open up. And that's been an interesting shift, uh, you know. COVID has been an awful thing for a lot of people, so it's not a positive thing whatsoever, but it, it has, in a sense, probably been positive for the cannabis industry specifically because it was allowed to remain open. And because of that, it's now entered into an, a more of a national kind of narrative about a search for tax revenue and jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and and one, one more point for somebody who is looking to get into cannabis. Actually, a few more things. This is very interesting to me because I, 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 I want to understand somebody going to an emerging market um, emerge, emerging market, uh, you know, I put that in air quotes because it's not. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed 
changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs, no more servers, no more updates, just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win, efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E.com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink 
what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Not so new anymore, but still, what would a red flag be for somebody who wants to get into cannabis in terms of a company they should work for or not work for? Uh, I think that um, in general, there's been a lot of hardworking people that have been able to pull things off in other industries they haven't been able to pull off here. So I would look and make sure that they actually have money in the bank. They're not waiting for investors because, mm. you know, oh, we have money coming in soon means we we never get money or we get money in a year, right? Making sure they actually have licenses granted to them because the application process is not a sure thing in any state. So the first thing to kind of look at from an, as you're looking at the industry is do they, do they have the capital they need to complete their construction and build out and have some runway? And do they actually have the licenses they think they're going to get already? And if they don't have those licenses now, um, there's a chance they may never get them, right? Um, and so it's just something to be cognizant of. And once they once they get those licenses and they have the funding, okay, that's fine. Now I want to I want to get into the industry. I want to work with a, a firm like Flower Hire. Is there is there competition? Are there other people that are cannabis specific recruiting firms? Are there yeah. is there things you should stay well, away from when you work with a recruiting firm? There there definitely are. And let me just um, let me just make another point here about getting into cannabis, like as society, um, at least, you know, in the U S and I know in Canada as well, we're very programmed to look at career ladders in a hierarchical way. I start off my career. I'm an associate. I'm an analyst. I become a supervisor or a manager. Maybe I become a director or a VP. That director job isn't going to be available at my company because my boss isn't leaving. Maybe I should go work somewhere else to get that director job. That's how like we're programmed to look at career. Cannabis is not yet linear. Right. Mm, okay. Both people with a management title and cannabis are doing like executive level responsibilities because there's just no one else there. So I think for now, my advice is if you're getting into the industry, just try to land in whatever lane you are from a skill set perspective and believe in the next two to three to four years, the whole industry is going to normalize and being a first mover will make up for itself and future title and responsibility. Like you can't look at this industry as I deserve a certain title. Right. And I think that's a hard thing for people to uh, to get their head around when they start looking at working in the space. Right. Um, you able to drop the ego and realize you got to learn a whole new bag of tricks to work in this industry. But there's a lot you'll be able to apply from what you've done before. But you'll be ready that you're going to have to figure out new ways to, to solve problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as it relates to competitive landscape for us, um, you know, I think there's a lot of other firms that are hardworking, recruiting and staffing firms focusing on cannabis. Again, I think many of them are pivoting to more of the hourly niche, right? Okay. Um, and and because, you know, you look at, well, you need hourly workers to work at retail cultivation and processing. And a lot of those firms are doing more of like a contractor model or like a freelance or gig type worker model, which I don't think actually works really well in cannabis. So I can talk more about that. Um, yeah, sure. I, I, I love to hear that because that's gig, gig economy is big too, right? That's, I didn't realize that intersected with cannabis. I didn't understand that. So. Well, well, if you, well, if you think about like, uh, you know, freelance, you, you know, seasonal work, like for most cannabis companies, like it's hard to really, they're not, they don't have the data yet to really forecast. Okay. We're going to need to hire somebody and we'll have work for them for the next 12 months, no matter what. Right. So whether they're, they're they have a, you know, a cult plants that are being harvested that they need people to make sellable, like trim them and put them into packaging, or they have, a big production run for manufactured items, you know, like edibles, but 
they don't necessarily are consistently manufacturing or even at the retail level when they're expecting expecting some surges during around certain holidays certain weekends so so there are some sh- firms that have set up like an hourly kind of bench workforce to to go and and for companies in space to call um i personally think um it's hard to see a model where you can be profitable as a recruitment firm doing that because the level of insurance that you need to carry on those type of workers as a third-party agency is much higher than if, even if it was a normal manufacturing job, right? Or normal mm-hmm. retail job. Um, so what, you know, so we've stayed very focused in this, in the niche of like strategic C-level positions and six-figure kind of salary jobs. That being said, um, you know, we've, we've built relationships with some of the marquee operators around the country, and there is still a huge pain point for companies as it relates to hiring hourly workers. You know, like if you're going to hire, a, if we're going to open a dispensary in, let's just say, Detroit, Michigan, you probably need to hire 30 on the low end, maybe 50 people right off the bat. How do you, you know, and we're talking, you know, 90% of those being, you know, hourly kind of retail associate, bud tender type folks. What do you do if you're a company? You, you, all you can really do is post a job on Indeed, yeah. right? What do you get when you post a job on Indeed? You get a thousand applicants, right? So for most cannabis companies are somewhat understaffed in their HR and talent lane. So what ends up happening is the assistant general manager for that dispensary gets a thousand Indeed resumes. And they look at probably the first 20 or 30, open them up, look for who lives local and seems relevant on paper and starts there. There's no filtering process. So one of the things that um, Flower Hire and kind of our next journey is we're partnering up with a group that has built um, kind of HR tech software platforms where we're actually going to create an intelligent matching uh, software to connect people with the right jobs in cannabis. Because mm. at the end of the day, people, a lot of people don't know, would I like being a bud tender? Would I like working in a cultivation? Would I like being a you know, B2C delivery driver, giving people cannabis, I don't know. So if we can put some IP behind that filtering and take that thousand resume response rate to a retail job and whittle it down to the best 30 that they should talk to, A, the hiring is going to be more prescriptive, B, it'll have an effect on turnover that's positive, and, and C, it'll be a huge value add in terms of the efficiency of the hiring process because at the end of the day, most of the hourly positions turn around um, turnover, you know, two and a half, three times a year as well. So you're in this constant state of hiring for those roles, right? And there's not a lot of um, insight on how to do it well, right? And so I think technology is the right thing to solve kind of the the hiring of hourly workers, right? So if I can take that kind of secret sauce learned from vetting people on this industry and explaining it and apply that with some behavioral scientists into an intelligent matching and filtering process. That's, that's something that we're working on um, as, and we're hoping to launch here by the end of the year with the largest cannabis careers event in the history of the world um, after the election in the middle of November here. So more coming on that, but um you know. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. And it's also fun because every literally everything you're doing is is bleeding edge. It's cutting edge in the industry, right? Like that's that's what's fun about it. So you 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 launch some tech and, and that's going to pave the way for like you mentioned, it's truly changing the entire cannabis industry, the way you you way you launch these products or this IP or whatnot. Yeah, I mean and it's it's exciting. And I think that the the you know, we've done hundreds of placements um, in the cannabis industry over the last three years, you know, average salary into the mid 100s. We've done dozens of C-level placements across the country. And that's a very kind of like white glove, hands-on service, right? Um, mm-hmm. But but at the same time, those are the people that are making these decisions as well internally for companies around um, how do they evolve and become more efficient. So, you know, what's really interesting as flower hire is we're connective tissue. Like we actually know what different operators are doing, even in the same state that don't really know what each other are doing because yeah. no one talks about it. And, and because of that, even though we're started in California and I'm based in California, you know, half our team is on, is, is not in California and on the East coast, but we're able to take the lessons that have been learned from how talent and the right, and the type of talent is able to succeed from a strategic standpoint in companies 
um, and able to succeed in solving the problems of this industry and take that kind of formula and apply it to different states, you know, um, and find that kind of homegrown, you know, Massachusetts, yeah. you know, person for a company in Massachusetts, just based on, you know, um, the experience, you know, out West. No, no, very, very interesting. Um, I, I wanted to, I do want to ask a couple, uh, like life insight questions, but before sure. I, before I pivot, um, I just wanted to make sure with what you're working on with flower hire, we went over like the cannabis industry, state of the industry, evolution of the industry, like the, the, the process, your story, uh, the tech that you're rolling out future plans. Was there anything that we didn't touch on that's, that's relevant to cannabis or flower hire that you wanted to, that's like on top of mind right now? Uh, I, I think we've uh, I think we've covered uh, covered a lot of it. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, our goal is to continue to provide education and awareness and, and just content of what it's like to work in this industry because this industry needs to hire uh, potentially a million people in the next five or six years. That's a lot of people, right? And 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 there's not a lot. There's no insight and information of what it's like to work in the industry. So we try to put on webinars that, you know, talk about different roles in the industry. And, and you know, we're going to be launching our quote of website careers cannabis.com, which will be an education and, and content destination where you can actually see what type of job in cannabis you would enjoy. It would be right for you. Right. Um, so that's, so that's coming. So we aim to just bring, you know, I guess we're trying to find what is professional cannabis and really pro- and own that lane. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not professional tech. It's not professional beverage. It's professional cannabis. It, you know, the era of taking pictures of purple nugs, you know, is it's great for some audience, some customers, but it's not for the majority of what is our currently customers. Right. And so how do you blend like some stale corporate, you know, career recruitment, you know, vision with, the legacy cannabis and find that like modern contemporary workforce for cannabis. We're trying to, to kind of solve and bring value to bringing more clarity in that lane. Um, as, as, as this, as this industry evolves, uh, I think it's very important that we, you know, that, that you, that you do have like thought leaders and, and groups that provide that insight and education because it's a little bit more than just, a career in, for example, like AI or a career in uh, robotics. It's because there's not only a new opportunity and a new industry that's evolving, but you're also fighting stigma at the same time, right? AI doesn't really have much of a stigma, except maybe perhaps like self-driving cars and ethics and stuff like that. But outside of that, it's not have the same type of stigma that cannabis has that you have to sort of overcome. And I've spoken to other people that have cannabis stigmas and a lot of it is about education, not cannabis stigma, excuse me. People that run companies are trying to combat stigma in in their industry and cannabis, and it's all about education. That's yeah. really what it's all about. And there's um, also there's something to be said about if you're going to work in this industry, it, no matter how successful you've been and what your wins are and how intelligent you are, you're going to meet somebody that went to jail for this plant, lost their life savings because of the plant, and you got to be able to bend the knee and appreciate that person, you know, yeah. and and yeah, and uh, and and because of that, it, it's such a it's such a different um, workplace than almost anything else in terms of like how complex it really is um, mm-hmm. as a industry. It's really an industry of industries, right? And there's nothing quite like it. Yeah, no, very well said. Okay, um, some some rapid fire uh, insight questions just to because your your experience and what you sort of overcome as an entrepreneur um, building out building out flower hire. What was your largest challenge and how did you overcome it? I think it was just dealing with um, the idea that as soon as I started, this was actually two weeks after I, the birth of my fourth child oh. and being able to like, you know, I ended up moving up my family across the country to start a business in a brand new emerging industry that was still stigmatized. And so that was a big life adjustment and upheaval um, and just being able to, you know, continue to stay sane during that time period in order to make sure that, the work that I was being that was being done early was really going to be something I could grow off of. Um, that was a big that was a big challenge. Um, the other thing is like this industry is so quirky and complex and 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 hard just to operate in. Um, whether mm-hmm. you pay way too much taxes, whether the state is states are challenging to deal with, whether 
you, the sophistication of different people you're dealing with in, in the supply chain and the retail side just isn't quite there. That um, you know, when you're working and partnering with entrepreneurs and executives that are actually running companies, like just understanding how challenging their world is and being able to like like be that sounding board for them and and actually bring value to where they're at, like that's been both the challenge and the biggest reward and something that I wasn't finding in the, in, in sort of the tech industry is just once you're a service provider, of this industry that actually follows through with what you say you're going to do and is a value add, like the level of camaraderie you have with your clients from actually being able to help them hmm. um, is uh, it, it's, it's special and it really is consultative. And, and, and by being consultative, the fact that, you know, we charge a premium fee for our service, companies are happy to pay it. Right. And it just, it took some time to really understand how this one was different. Like I was able to take like very kind of formulaic best practices of how to do recruiting learned over years and, and, and be able to then figure out how to marry that with the realities of this industry. And in this industry, I was like, I just don't want to waste my fucking client's time. The yeah. hardest job that mankind has ever conceived is being the CEO of a cannabis company right now. I want to give them what they actually need. And, yeah. and, um, and it wasn't about throwing things against the wall. It was really about being prescriptive about not only the diagnosis, but the fit proposition. Very, very smart. Um, and well done. Um, what, where do you go to learn and stay on top of cannabis, the industry trends? Well, uh, I'm you know, fortunate that I have a team of, of now uh, 11 people um, that is talking to people in this industry all the time. And so just from word of mouth, we, we do really get some interesting insights um, and, and intel on what's actually happening behind the scenes. Um, you know, that being said, I subscribe to probably a dozen different, you know, newsletters and, and things of that nature. Um, and I listen to, you know, you know, podcasts like this, but where they feature different entrepreneurs in the space just to hear their story, mm-hmm. right? You know, whether it's, you know, thinking outside the bud or investing in cannabis, but, um, you know, I, you have to stay informed, right? Part of what I do for my team is I create an environment and a, and a platform in one of our, you know, we'll call it our Slack channel, um, even though we use Telegram because I like it better, um, where we just constantly share information and news that we're learning about the market. Because I think it's important for everybody here to really be an expert because because they're people we're talking to, especially on the candidate side, like they look at us as experts anyway. We have to, we have to know our stuff, right? Um, so it's just something you have to stay on top of. And I think that also ties back to if you're working in this industry, you can't rely on anyone else to teach you this industry, you got to go out there and find it, figure it out yourself, yeah. read the regs, you know, for whatever state you're in to really understand it, you know. Um, so we try to live that sort of, uh, sort of need for education internally, for sure. Um, in the world of cannabis, what's, what's new that people may not know about that you're researching or that you're interested in right now? Uh, I think that um, people may not know like how quickly, how different these different states are. Like as an example, in like a Michigan, there's 500 retail stores in Illinois, there's still only like 90 and they're both recreational markets that opened up around the same time. Like mm-hmm. there's every state has its own little quirks and little differences mm-hmm. and nuances. And I think that um, that's, obviously challenging if you're a larger multi-state operator to be able to figure that out, but also realize that what's going on in your state is going to be completely different than the state next door. If there's cannabis activity, right. In terms of how the regulatory landscape is shaped up. And that's, you know, you think that like states would learn from other states and what they've done and what worked and what hasn't worked, but it's not, it's just not, the, it's not the case. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it uh, it's a patchwork quilt of things that often make no sense. And um, you know, yeah, no, it's just, it just, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. That's just the way. So it's, it, again, brings it's you back to like the constant that. learning. Yeah, yeah. Covering that through that truth on the ground in different markets is, is really what we, what we put a focus on. Um, somebody wants to get into, uh, into cannabis. Uh, you mentioned a few things. What would be the main thing that you would want to tell them? I tell away? them it, it, is not just a job. It's it. You really. It's really gonna. If you're the right person for cannabis, because it's gonna be work that you love doing, and it's never gonna cease. It's gonna change the relationship you have with other things in your life, 
with your your family, your friends, you know, and it's going to change, you know, kind of the balance that you found. Um, and mm. be be prepared for that. And I think also be prepared to constantly have to pivot. And even if you're a, an experienced executive level person, you're going to have to be massively tactical and massively strategic at the same time. Mm right there's often there's just no one else to get the things done that you know needs to get done and so some people excel in that and the goal is obviously to build out infrastructure and personnel and teams and and move move up right but but when you when you join and really to learn this industry effectively you have to be tactical you have to really understand what the whole experience is like in the eyes of your customers of your employees what it's like to work in a grow, like you really have to immerse yourself so you can really understand how to apply your experience and your instincts to the space. Mm -hmm. um, and as an entrepreneur um, and, and a career long, uh, you know, you, career long professional, a lesson that you tell yourself, tell your younger self, excuse me, after you've gone through career and now entrepreneurship, building your own business, switching industries, what would you tell your younger self? Uh, I, I say when the, when it's the hardest, that means the most success is right around the corner, you know, just have faith and keep going, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and cause I think, I think that's very true. You know, I think that, you know, if you're looking at the career ladder, when you're struggling the most, whether it's from a stress or whether it's from an uncertainty or whether it's some real challenges as a business person or running a business, getting through that. And getting the other side of that gives you immense confidence, perspective, and ultimately, the the whatever you know level of success that you've never achieved before, you know, is being mm -hmm. able to constantly you know go through adversity, um, and that's how you learn, that's how you grow, that's how you evolve, and that's what you know kind of separates, I think, a lot of people that are successful um, as entrepreneurs versus versus not. Yeah. No, I, I like that. It's a, it's a good lesson. Um, and then uh, the last question, and then I'll get some um, some socials and websites from you. Um, what does success mean to you? I mean, success, our goal is to be the number one talent platform for the cannabis industry. You know, I, I like to think that um, there's a unique generational opportunity to do so right now. Um, I'd like Flower Hire to be, you know, a fixture, an institution of the of the space you know, in, in perpetuity, you know, I, you know, I ideally wouldn't, won't be running it in 10 years, but I'd like for it to be around and, and be, be a big part of the, the overall story of this, the space and, um, and help to build, you know, a, a sort of conscious and relevant cannabis industry early, getting the right folks involved and, and making sure that the, the operators that are going to, you know, have the right assets and and have the right attitude are going to get the right people on board to, to succeed and drive this industry forward. And, and for you, for you personally, what does success uh, look like in terms of your end product, your fulfillment in, in life and career? I mean, it, you know, at this point um, I've been on, um, we'll just say a, a fairly transactional hamster wheel for, you know, last, you know, 16 plus years of my life and, you know, five, 10 years, I'd like to just focus on being, you know, more strategic and controlling my time more, you know, and mm -hmm. enjoying that kind of the teenage years of my kids, you know, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's the goal. Right. Um, but, um, but every, every day, um, you know, it gets closer to that goal. Right. Um, and um, that's what I think that's what we're all kind of working towards yeah. in a sense too. The freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, most important question. People want to go check out flower hire. People want to connect with you social, uh, all the websites, socials, all that. So uh, flowerhire.com is very simple. There's lots of different forms for getting in touch on flowerhire.com. If you go to flowerhire.com slash blog, there's a lot of the content that we've put out there, articles, interviews, um, I think that you can go to YouTube and look for Sunset Session. It's a, a series that we do with our partners with uh, at Razzle, where we put on you know video interviews of you know entrepreneurs in the space. Um, you know you can follow Flower Hire on Instagram. It's at Flower Hire. 
Um, you can follow our posts on, on LinkedIn. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me personally, David at flowerhire.com. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. 
This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 